getting all this ready. All right, so let's get into this. This morning, I've got a great topic. Uh, I've been waiting a long time for this one. I keep bragging about it. You know, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of hope. This is the one I wanted to talk about. Um, but really, I'm calling this, this is not the end times. Um, and, and you'll see why. In fact, I've got two guests today uh, that I'm going to have in. I recorded uh, two interviews yesterday. One with uh, Keith Giles, who we'll talk about, and Red Shoot. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for later on in the week. I've got the full interviews. Gonna be, they're going to be made available online. But I, uh, um, we talked about today's message because I think we need to discuss the, this negative messaging we hear in our culture, especially in the church world, and it's time for it to stop. And it's time for gullible believers to stop listening to myths. And so I want I want to get into that. So far... Because of all the stress going on, this is what we've covered in the series. This is the recipe for our soul if we feel like we got to stop the world and want to get off. This is where we need to take care of our soul. So talking about being still, the importance of prayer, not focusing on fear, learning to rest, knowing you're loved, and how God sees everyone, that God loves everyone. Then we looked at God is love. So this week... Uh, this is why we're dealing with Nebuchadnezzar's dream of hope. I think that we've got this weird thing going on in a uh, in our in our church culture where we're told that we're in the end times. We're being told, oh oh, the mark of the beast is here, and it's gonna come through a vaccine with a microchip, and oh, it's all the evil coming. The world's coming to an end. And do you know what that does for you? Does that feed your soul and make you feel all warm and fuzzy and peaceful? Is that that just warm your heart? No, it doesn't. It's like, what What wasn't I told? First of all, we're dealing with a very confusing topic. So if you don't know what to believe about end times, you're going to just default to what you think most Christians or westernized Christians think they believe. And unfortunately, I think most of us have been sold one version of the story. So today I'm going to unpack, and then the next couple weeks, we're going to unpack a whole bunch more. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's very timely. So this morning, I'm going to start with a, um, a message uh, with Reg. So I'm going to invite Reg shoot in right now. We're going to show you the clip. It's about eight minutes, but it's a really important discussion. He gets a chance to say hi to all of you. So let's listen in and see how this begins. And then later, we're going to have uh, Keith Giles come in. So here we go. Uh, good to see you finally, Reg shoot. Uh, it's been a long time since we connected, at least five months. Oh, wait, that's everyone <laughs> with COVID. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hope yeah. Fellowship hasn't seen you for a while either, so uh, I wanted to give you a chance to give a quick shout out to and hello to everyone. Uh, you're welcome to do that. Yeah, that's been you know really uh, really interesting times trying to connect with everyone right now. It's been really <laughs> difficult, but uh, you know this uh, technology the way it is right now, it, it, it's it kind of bridges that gap a bit. So. Here's a great big hello to everybody at Hope and miss you all. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we, yeah. we just moved to Elmira March 1st uh, to the new location, and then COVID hit. It's like, what? Yeah. So it's been yeah. crazy. So, Reg, I invited you in uh, because uh, I'm in the middle of a series called uh, Stop the World I Want to Get Off. This whole COVID thing has right. caused so much anxiety for folks, and we're so caught up in responding to the triggers all around us, we don't know how to do self-care very well. And right. so I've talked about rest, I've talked about prayer, I've talked about meditation, um, where our focus is not to focus on fear, all that stuff. And today, uh, I'm taking a look at 
um, huge negative voice in the Christian world. And that is this message of end times that, oh no, this COVID thing, it's all about end times. Are you hearing that kind of stuff too? Because today I want to kind of lay it to rest and say, guys, uh, let's let's refocus on what Christ in us is trying to say to us, not what the external stuff is. Are you yeah. hearing this stuff? Yeah, there, there, there's so much, uh, like, I mean, I call it fear-mongering going on. Yes, with, my word. With all this, with all this uh, you know, the, you got the, the so-called quote-unquote end times teachers out there that are just taking this and just running rampant with it. Um, and, you know, there, that creates a lot of fear right there. And then, you know, the obvious with, with all the fear going on with people um, that are really riding the, the COVID train with the conspiracy theories and all this too, on top of it all. And yeah. I, I just think there's just a, a whole big messed up mixed bag of stuff that's just causing fear in people. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. It seems like this COVID has triggered um, undealt with issues, not only in individuals, but in the church. Yeah. I'm seeing yeah. that come to fruit right now. It's like, wow, we never saw this coming. It's making us rethink. What is the church? Who is the church? Um, what is the good news? Uh, yeah, it's been kind of well, wild. I, mean, I, I find it really interesting that, um, you know, our background, we, we would, uh, you know, I, I say we have like, you know, where we were raised from. Uh, it just, this, this would be typically a prime opportunity to really come down with the whole hellfire brimstone type of teaching and preaching and and whatnot just causing all that fear and then at the same time um i've had some interesting thoughts about you know uh we were also taught you have to be inside the church every time the doors are open and if not <laughs> then you have a spiritual problem right there yeah. and and so i'm just kind of wondering how some people are coping with with kind of that thought process when that's the way they've uh, been raised and taught and live their whole life and now you can't go to church uh how do they deal with that sort of thing too so there's just a lot of things going on a lot of dynamics that i think are really scaring people so have you had a chance and this is again i did not prep you so anybody watching yeah. now we did not prep this <laughs> sorry reg no, no um but have you have you heard some specific things about end times recently um i i've heard things like the, the mark of the beast is coming uh tribulations coming the rapture is a big one have you have you heard any of those um i haven't heard so much about the rapture but yes i've i've heard a lot about um you know the vaccine with with the mark of the beast and and all this kind of stuff i've heard a lot of that going on um you know it's just like i say people i just think they capitalize on this stuff and just just run with it and uh you know whether or not they're they're doing it on purpose to to cause people to fear or on purpose to try to help god to uh bring other people to repentance i don't know what their motivation is behind it all but mm -hmm. um the reality is, I, I just think it's really totally unnecessary. So, yeah. I yeah. did not know there was another perspective. I, I grew up with one lens. Here's what it means because my, my pastors, my teachers, all the books that were in the house all pointed the same message of yeah. here's what's going to happen. You know, we watched the Distant yeah. Thunder, Thief of the Night series and scared the hell right out of us. <laughs> you know, yeah. said the prayer many times, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I think this whole idea of fear, this this pandemic is is great fuel for religious fear. It is. Um, yeah. What would you do? You have any hope or a direction to point people for some hope of a better way to see this end times fear mongering? What's another lens we could have? Have, have well, you come up with anything? I, I think 
you know, getting like not getting deeply into the whole end times theology right off the hop here. I'm thinking some some of the more simple things to focus on is simply uh, scriptures like Galatians five one. It, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. That's setting huh. us free from everything, fear included, fear of yeah. uh, end times. And it, it, you know what? We don't have to be afraid of end times. I'll tell you that right now. And I don't don't know that we really want to get into the depths of the theology behind all that right right at the moment. But the reality is, I, honestly, if Christ set us free, he set us free from everything. And that includes fear. So the ones that are experiencing fear, I'm not, we're talking about the pattern of fear, not, not the sudden shock of, oh, somebody just scared me. But the yeah. habitual living from fear, That's right. that yeah. is not the evidence of Christ. You're clearly living from some other source called ego or something, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, something that permeates your being. It's not just an instant little thing that just happens and it's gone. It's, it's not a wave. It's yeah. And, and um, it's something that we can't just in and of ourselves walk away from. It's something that's the work of Christ. He set us free from mm -hmm. that. So, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'm taking a look at a, a text today, uh, a dream, a story of Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Um, and Daniel was called in to interpret the dream. And it was the one at the statue where it was made out of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and the feet were clay. You remember that one? Yes. Yeah. So that dream to me is a picture of hope because there's a rock that's made, not cut from human hands, that comes and smashes the toes of that statue, tumbling the whole thing. Right. And uh, Keith Giles and I were just talking about that recently. Um, uh, which we're going to show that clip this morning too, or a little part of that. Um, but that, to me, is the is the picture of hope, even from the old covenant of Christ right. arriving. And the best part of the story is the rock then grows and fills the whole earth, like right. it covers the whole earth. That rock is Christ coming right at that right time, which is what I think the Magi already understood the times, and that's why they showed right. up around that time. They knew what was going on. But, yeah. Um, yeah. No. Have I, you have uh, you dug into that at all? Um, that's that's one area. You know, the whole Nebuchadnezzar thing um, has has not been something I've looked at really closely recently. Um, you know, some of the, some of the things that I've I've focused on is, I mean, if you want to get back to the grassroots of of how do we really grasp a hold of this thing with the end times and whatnot, mm -hmm. I guess what we we really need to understand and there's people that really have a hard time accepting what I'm about to say. And that's simply that the Bible was written primarily to the Jews uh, by the Jews, mm. right? And we lose focus of that. And we need to get that into perspective when we come back to Scripture and we, we look at Scripture and the prophecies and, and, and the things that Scripture is telling us. And we have to be reminded that that was in a different day and age for a different primarily group of people than, than who we are in this day and age. That includes and, the understanding how to read Revelation, right? Exactly, it does. And so so we if we can get that perspective right, then the, mm -hmm. the a lot of the scripture and the meanings of scripture changes. Mm, yeah. In how the and how we view it. Well, thank you, Reg, for that conversation. There's a lot more coming. There's a whole half hour uh, interview that we did on this particular topic. Um, it, it's too big of a deal. Um, and, but I want to give some hope. And this, this, this next uh, 
uh, story is actually really cool because I'm I want to take you through Nebuchadnezzar's dream. If you don't know this, that um, there are two major prophetic speaking of things to come dreams or uh, illustrations from the book of Daniel, and so instead of saying hey. Um, uh, the world's getting worse and worse. Oh no. Uh, let me tell you some good news from this, this perspective. This dream points to there's good news coming. Jesus takes over. Jesus wins. Love wins. The world's not getting worse. It's actually getting better. It may not seem like the, like that in the news, but uh, we don't have a news uh, um, perspective. We have a biblical and Christ in you perspective. So let's let's tell the story. Some of you may not even know the story. Um, Daniel chapter two. This is 603 BC. I'm going to read it to you. This is almost like a Sunday school story. I'm going to tell you a story. Here's a story. Anyway, uh, you'll you'll like this. Nebuchadnezzar. A uh, well-known king had such a disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, his sorcerers, and the astrologers, and he demanded they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. While the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king! Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you'll be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But I, but if I tell you, sorry, but if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. Have you ever had a dream you can't remember? You know, it was quite moving. Uh, I don't remember my dreams. Um, I know people that remember almost every dream, but this king's obviously upset. Can you imagine the emotions of these astrologers? I'm going to kill you if you don't tell me what my dream was. And they have no way of knowing. Well, here they keep going. Watch this. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means. And the king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I'll change my mind, but tell me the dream, and then I'll know that what you tell me and what it means. Hmm. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. No king, however, great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. And this is, this is, pretty well. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the God, small g, can tell you your dream. And here's a very important line. And they do not live here among the people. This tells you something pretty significant of how they uh, perceived the gods uh, and, and their world. Oh my goodness. Great scare tactic. The king was ticked furious when he heard this he ordered that all the wise men of babylon be executed uh, so much for being wise and because of the king's decree men were sent to find and kill daniel and his friends remember shadrach meshach and abednego and daniel they were all wise men at this very time and because of the king's decree they were sent to kill him when arioch 
the commander of the king's guard came to kill them. Oh boy. Daniel handed the handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him what had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Arizah, what had happened. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secrets so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Okay, so here it happens. So I'm not going to read this next part because it's long, but he starts praising God, and there's a beautiful poem. You can pause later and reread that or look it up yourself. But then Daniel went to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Stop, 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 stop. Take me to the king. I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Well, you can imagine the face on Arioch's, uh, what his look was on his face. He quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I found one of the captives from Judah, Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. Well, the king said to Daniel, who's also known as Belshazzar, Remember, we did a series on the meaning of words and names. Uh, he said, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied. This is interesting because he almost repeats what the other guy said. Uh, there, is, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. So he was confirming what the other guy said, which is kind of clever. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now, I'll tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. So here's the image. This is just a, a picture of uh, what the dream could have been. Story. Here's the description. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Now, pause here for a second. I find it, this very humbling and very interesting. Daniel is making it really clear it wasn't him or anything special about him that had this great revelation. But that seems to be the exact opposite today. As soon as somebody hears a piece of news Here's an example. We, you know, we all know this one. Hey, a cure has been found for the virus, and boom, everybody's posting all these things, and and they're it's like they're trying to get famous. They're trying to be known as the ones who found out first. All right, Christians do this all the time with theology. Oh, I've heard a better understanding. I've done this myself. It's terrible, well-meaning, but sometimes we're not sharing good news in humility. We're sharing it because we're trying to one-up somebody else because we found out a better story. I'm just saying, you'll know your heart. But this is interesting. He did not try to take credit for this. So he's saying, hey, it's not about me. This is, this is about you. And I love that. In your vision, so here's the dream. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver, 
Its belly and thighs were bronze, its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay and smashed them to bits. Oh, that is a crazy, crazy dream. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Oh, listen to this. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But, here's the best news, the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. Wow. So here's an image of a rock coming and smashing the feet of this uh, statue. Now, some of you may be saying, what is the point of this dream? How, how can this have anything to do with today? He's talking about things to come. Well, here, listen to this. Here's what the dream means. And you need to understand this is a sequential story of kingdoms. Here we go. Daniel says, that was the dream. Now I will tell you the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all, all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are, a, you are the head of gold. Notice there's different, there's gold, silver, bronze. Here we go. But after your kingdom comes to an end, by the way, remember, 600 BC, 600, this is important. But after your kingdom comes your, uh, to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided like iron mixed with clay. It will have some of the strength of iron, but while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage but they will not hold together as iron and clay do not mix during the reigns of those kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom here here's the good news folks during the reign of those kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered it will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever that is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain though not by human hands that crushed to pieces the statue of iron bronze clay silver and gold the great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. Wow. Can you imagine? That is like crazy. I, I, uh, I never understood the dream. I just heard it as a cool Sunday school story. And in fact, this dream is skipped over by almost everyone because the next story following uh, is even funnier. But I don't know if we'll get to that. 
Well, let's here's, let's see what happens. So then the king Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel, worshipped him, and said, "Hey, your God's amazing. This is pretty cool." Uh, then he appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him valuable gifts, and he made Daniel ruler over a province. And he called and Daniel at Daniel's request, he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to also be in charge. So here here's kind of the deal. The, the statue represents time. And uh, I think you'll, I don't know if I said it with, uh, with Reg or with Keith, but um, the, I think the Magi, the wise men that came to see Jesus, understood the time, all right? They knew something was going on. Let me show you uh, in a larger scale here what, uh, darn, somebody just told me I lost sound when I did that, and I know why now. Darn. Okay. So let me come back to this real quick. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I'll have to edit that out. So this whole head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar representing the Babylonian Empire. The second one, the silver, represents the whole um, the empire of the Medes and the Persians. Then comes the empire of Alexander the Great. And then we have the Roman Empire. Now, what I was saying before, and I don't think um, uh, what I what I I think was muted out when I had that image up was the idea that most theologians agree that all of these um, kingdoms are in sequence. Nobody's arguing with that, but they're arguing about the iron feet of clay. Somehow, somebody came up with this wild theory that those feet of clay refer to the American empire that now is the time it's, it's put 2000 years before uh, past that when the, the sequence of these kingdoms are back to back to back to back. So this whole idea of the iron and the feet of toes, the feet of toes and iron and clay, this is the Roman Empire. So the Roman was strong. That's where the legs are. But down at the feet, they continued to be there, but they're also divided. They even divided them up into 10 territories. Like this is, this is the image of Christ coming. So when the rock comes, that rock is Jesus coming and arriving. The kingdom has come and has taken over the whole world. To me, this is the good news. This is the kingdom has come. And in fact, I'm going to share with you a... Uh, uh, a short video with Keith Giles and I. We had a quick chat, and then I'm going to uh, uh, talk about his book. He's got a book out that you got to hear about, um, and I did an interview with him as well. So let's let's hear what Keith and I have to say about this particular dream, and he touches on another dream real quick. So we're going to go a little longer, not much longer, but here we go. As I'm talking about Nebuchadnezzar's dream, when Daniel has to interpret uh, the the statue made out of the five elements and how yes. it represents kingdoms and so on. What I've learned so far is the top kingdoms, they've never been disputed by any theological group. They're, everyone agrees. That's the Babylonians. That's this. That's the Romans. But everybody disagrees on the feet. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, there's a huge disagreement. Um, how, is that addressed in your book at all? You know what? I do not address that exact dream. I do deal with Daniel, but the main thing I deal with in Daniel, and I have a whole chapter, a very long chapter on Daniel's 70 weeks, the 70 weeks of Daniel. Okay. Um, but that's still, I think that's still a relevant um, topic to our, because it does, that dream is talking, I believe, about um, Christ and his kingdom and, mm -hmm. and the reality that we're living out today. Yes. So, I, I, yes. I have, I've come to see that rock that was 
made from un, uh, not human hands. I forget the right wording of it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rock not cut by human hands. Yes. Yeah. So to me, that's the incarnate Christ arriving, yes. hitting the earth at the right time. So if those kingdoms are in sequence, which they are, then the 10 provinces, 10 toes of Rome, that's now divided, that's made out of clay and iron. It's mixed. So it's already mixed. a lot of crap going on. It arrives and yes. it just topples over all these kingdoms. The crisis come. What I have found is people forget to keep reading or listen to the end of the dream. The rock, and you guys mentioned this in your other thing the other day, but the rock then grows and fills and covers the whole earth. Yes. So the kingdom has come and it happened right at that time of the Roman empire. So yes. uh, to me, it's like, Hey, that means love wins. That yes, means his kingdom will not end. And we're not going to see an utter destruction of our global universe and blah, blah, blah. And, a, and yeah. a remaking of it. I think much healing is coming. There's more hope coming, but nobody wants to see that. H have yeah. you heard anything like that about that dream? Is that familiar? No, I I think you're dead on. You're right. And like you, you said, you know, I, I was, I was very blessed to have a conversation with Baxter Kruger, Paul Young and Brad Jerzak. Um, and uh, Kruger wrote the forward to my book and Brad, actually, I, I wrote the epilogue to my book because directly Brad Jerzak suggested something. And I was like, okay, I got to write this epilogue. Thanks to Brad. And Paul Young was also really encouraging me. Um, he read an advanced copy of the book and he was like, go, go, go. This is great. <laughs> so anyway, I was able to get the three of them together and uh, well, all four of us talking together. And in that conversation, yeah, we, we brought up that dream. Um, I forgot which one brought it up, probably, probably Brad or Paul. Um, but it's a parallel, that image, like you said. So two things I think are happening in Daniel, in, in that dream and in the 70 weeks of Daniel dream. Both dreams are about, the t from starting with Daniel's time, moving forward until the coming of the Messiah, right? So, it's, so these are sort of signs or things to look forward to or what's going to happen leading up to. It. And then when the Messiah comes, this is what's going to happen when he shows up. So in the dream you're talking about, the part that's emphasized in that dream is how this tiny rock, not cut from human hands, and it's a small, like almost like a pebble, hits this massive statue and just shatters it completely. Yeah. And then again, then it, like you said, then it grows to cover the entire earth. So it's almost like it replaces the earth. It, it overshadows the, the earth itself, right? This is, this is a parallel, um, you know, image that Jesus uses twice. Once when he talks about the kingdom, he goes, what shall I compare the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is like a, a mustard seed, which mm. is the smallest of all seeds, <laughs> the tiny seed. Um, and that yet when it, it grows to cover the entire garden and, and eventually becomes this massive bush and tree that all the birds, you know, um, of the field, have their nests. So it's just, again, the idea of something very, very small that eventually grows and slowly overtakes everything and gives life to everything. Um, and then now the, then the parallel to that is when Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a, a small pinch of yeast, just mm. a tiny pinch of yeast that a woman put into a, a large lump of dough. And that again, over a slow amount of time, like overnight or whatever, um, that small bit of yeast eventually covers that entire lump of dough until the entire lump of dough you know, is covered with, is in, you know, infected or infilled, whatever I'm going to say, with the, with the yeast. And all three of these are pictures of the kingdom of God. It's what mm. Jesus came to tell us about was, and again, Revelation echoes as, as well when, the, when it says in Revelation that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. Mm. And, and that's that same idea that Christ 2,000 years ago inaugurated and initiated this 
tiny little thing. It looked so small. It was him and like 11 guys, <laughs> a couple of people, half of them scattered when he was crucified. And then it just slowly over time. So what, fast forward almost 2000 years. And now this kingdom of God has started to cover the earth. And it's, and it's in every nation on the planet. Every tongue and tribe and nation know of the name of Christ. The, the, the kingdom of Christ is expanding. The good news of the gospel of the kingdom is, is, is expanding. And so then going back to the Daniel picture and, and those other two pictures, what we know about those pictures that were given is that it's inevitable. One day the kingdom of Christ will take over the world. That's the good, that's what's going to happen. It's a good story. It's a that's happy ending. Yeah. It's not a terrible thing. It's not awful, right? It's a good story. And so, yeah, we need to embrace that. So we're saying that God's kingdom wins. I hope you enjoyed that few minute conversation about the dreams and what that stone means. And I think it, it's, it flies in the face of all this fear mongering we, uh, Reg and I were talking about earlier, where everybody's saying, hey, the end of the world's coming. Well, it, it is not coming. Uh, what most people are saying about the end of the age or end of the world, uh, whatever way they perceive that, that has, we're going to deal with that next week. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to read this book. Keith Giles wrote a book. It just came out called Jesus Unexpected, Ending the End Times to Become the Second Coming. <laughs> That'll get you teasing. Uh, listen to the, um, the interview that I'm going to post this week uh, with him on this topic, and he's going to touch on some of the stuff in the book. The foreword is by Baxter Kruger, and most of us here know who Baxter is. Um, but honestly, I encourage you to get this book. There's more good news coming, folks. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream is a dream of hope. God was using a man who was self-absorbed and still spoke truth to him. In fact, what's interesting about the story of Nebuchadnezzar and that dream, the very next chapter, he builds this huge statue and image of himself and makes everybody worship him. Like, talk about a guy that's got ego issues. It was, anyway, that, that's where the uh, fiery furnace story comes from and all that, but we're not going to get into that today. So consider this book. I have my copy on the way uh, worth doing. There's a couple other books I'm going to recommend uh, that you consider, uh, and I'll remind you again the week's coming of how to expand your understanding of end times. Um, this one is by Lynn Hiles. Lynn Hiles has a uh, book called The Revelation of Jesus Christ, and the other one's called God's Beauty in the Beast. Um, you can look up his eschatology summary are uh, on YouTube. That's the title of it there. And then we have Jesus Delayed by Yanego Gilbranson from Victoria, BC, and Victorious Eschatology by Harold Eberly and Martin Trench. Martin's a pastor in Alberta, uh, and Harold Eberly is a great guy too. So these are just some, some, of, the, some of the stories. So the recipe for the soul. We've gone through all this today. We talked a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This is an old covenant, Old Testament story of a hope that is coming. And I think when Jesus arrived, that is our hope. He has come. He's not leaving. He's got this world. He's got you and me. We don't need to listen to all these voices of utter destruction that's coming. We don't need to fear about that. There are other ways to perceive and understand some of the stories we've heard. So next week, we're going to uh, touch on some end times perspective. What is the rapture? What is the mark of the beast? What about heaven and earth passing away? Uh, what does that all mean? Do we have to be afraid now? Um, we're going to deal with that next week in, in greater detail, but this dream is critical. I think this is the beginning, uh, just like the 70 weeks dream. 
This particular one is the most graphic of Jesus arriving, and he came at the right time when the Roman Empire was split into ten provinces and was divided. A lot of anarchy was going on, and and the the yeah, it, it's just craziness. And so in that division, Christ arrives, smashes everything apart, and his kingdom reigns forever. I think it's pretty cool. So I, I hope you enjoy.